Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. So Watson, we're so happy to have you with us tonight. In our top story, we'll go back to 2015 when a young pro-life activist posed as a human tissue broker to expose the abortion industry's illegal sale of the body parts of babies killed in abortion. Peter Breen from the Thomas More Society will break down all the charges and judgments against David Delight and his colleague Sandra Merritt and explain why the U.S. Supreme Court has been asked to get involved. In Abortion in the News, I'll update you about lawsuits filed in three more states that claim laws pro- prohibiting abortion are vague when it comes to medical emergency situations, and report on a mom who refused abortion after being diagnosed with brain cancer. In political news in a nutshell, I'll share a formula that some political columnists believe would make Joe Biden more electable and tell you how Democrats in Pennsylvania are making the race for a seat on the state Supreme Court all about abortion. Summer has been a busy one for our Priests for Life team. Anthony Vassone will join us to fill you in on Priests for Life on the Road. In our closing segment, we'll explain why Priests for Life National Director Frank Pavone was given a sword on a recent trip to San Antonio and find out how he got it on the plane. National Pro-Life T-Shirt Day is coming up. In the closing, we'll tell you how to get one of these Pray to End Abortion shirts. Please stay with us. The new term in the U.S. Supreme Court opens October 2nd, and the justices have been asked to look into two cases with major implications for the pro-life movement. Last Friday, the Biden administration and the manufacturer of the abortion pill, Mifepristone, petitioned the court to rule on a case that could end the sale of the drug nationwide, or at least prohibit the pills from being sent through the mail. The second case is one that has fallen off the radar to everyone except pro-lifers in the eight years since it was brought to light. In 2015, a young pro-life investigative reporter named David Delighton began releasing secretly recorded videos indicating that Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers were breaking federal law and selling organs and skin harvested from aborted babies. On the videos, the abortionists callously discuss how they preserve lucrative organs while ripping a child from the womb and the riches that can come from selling the parts. I Want a Lamborghini was famously uttered by Mary Gator, medical director for Planned Parenthood Pasadena and San Gabriel Valley. But it was the first video that was perhaps the most shocking and really pulls back the veil on exactly how diabolical the abortion industry is. The video we are about to show you features Deborah Nucatola, then the Senior Director of Medical Services for the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. In between bites of salad and sips of wine, she calmly and in gruesome detail describes what kind of tissue is in demand and how she ensures it's safe retrieval, including changing the position of the baby in the womb before beginning the abortion. The man's voice you'll hear is David Delighton, and the second woman is his colleague, Sandra Merritt. Director for the national office for all right. So I say, okay, what are your what are you looking to supply today? We've been very good at getting parts, long liver. Every provider has had patients who want to donate their tissue, and they absolutely want to accommodate them. They just want to do it in a way 
that is now perceived as this clinic is selling tissue, this clinic is making money off of this. Okay, so um, when when you are or the affiliate is determining what that what that is monetary. Yes, so that it doesn't raise raise any question of this is this is what it's about. This is the thing. What what price range would you? You know, I I'm gonna throw a number out. I would say it's probably anywhere from thirty to a hundred dollars, depending on the facility and what's involved. The thirty to a hundred dollar price or that's per yes. specimen that we're talking per about, specimen. right? Yeah. Yes. The thirty to a hundred dollar price or that's per yes. specimen that we're talking per about, specimen. right? Yeah. Yes. How much of a difference can that actually make if you if you know? What kind of what's expected or what we need versus it makes a, it makes a huge difference. I, I'd say a lot a lot of people want liver, mm -hmm. and for that reason, most providers will do this case under ultrasound guidance, mm -hmm. so they'll know where they're putting their forceps. Then a re-limiting step of the procedure is calvarium. Calvarium, the head is basically the biggest part. Most of the other stuff can come out intact. Right. It's very rare to have a patient that doesn't have enough dilation to evacuate all the other to bring the function, To bring the body cavity out exactly. intact and all that. Um, so then you're just kind of cognizant of where you put your prosperous. Um, you try to intentionally go above and below the thorax so that, you know, we've been very good at getting hard, long liver. Mm -hmm. Because we know that, so I'm not going to crush that part. I'm going to basically crush below, I'm going to crush above, and then I'm going to see if I can get it all intact. And with the calvarium, in general, some people will actually try to change the uh, presentation so that's not a vertex. So it's a vertex presentation. You never have enough dilation in the beginning unless you have a real huge amount of dilation to deliver an intact calvarium. So if you do it starting from the breach presentation, there's dilation that happens as the case goes on and often the last you can evacuate an intact calvarium. So I mean there are certainly steps that can be taken. So they can convert to breach, for example, exactly. at the start of the Exactly. They can ultrasound guidance, they can just change the presentation. Under ultrasound guidance, they can just change the, the, the presentation. To bring the body cavity out, exactly. contact and all that. So if you do it starting from the breach presentation, there's dilation that happens as the case goes on, and often the last you can evacuate and talk about Federal abortion ban is a law, and laws are up to interpretation. So if I say on day one I do not intend to do this, what ultimately happens doesn't matter. So yesterday was a clinic day. For example, like what did you procure? <laughs> you know, I, I asked her at the beginning of the day what she wanted. Yesterday she wanted, she's been at, a lot of people want attack parts these days because they're looking for specific nodes, AB nodes, SA. I was like, wow, I, I didn't even know. Good for them. Yesterday was the first time she said people wanted longer. I, uh -huh. um, and then, she, like I said, always as many intact livers as possible. People just want yeah, liver. Yeah, livers. People want lower extremities right too, which that's that's simple. I mean, that's easy. I don't know what they're doing with it. I guess they want muscle. Yeah, a dime a dozen. <laughs> In the following weeks, Delighton released many more videos, and it appeared, for a moment at least, that a modern-day David finally was going to take down Goliath. 
the media actually covered the release of those first videos. Let's watch CNN's Jake Tapper taking Obama's White House press secretary, Josh Earnest, to task. Contention that there's nothing in these secretly recorded videotapes of Planned Parenthood officials discussing what sounds like profiting from fetal tissue and organ sales. There's nothing in these tapes that bothers you and anyone in the White House? Well, Jake, I got to tell you, you know, these videos are, were released because of their shock value. Uh, and there's no doubt that what's depicted on these videos is shocking. Uh, I know that based on the news reports that I've read about the videos, I haven't actually looked at them. But people who have looked at them have raised significant questions uh, about whether or not uh, these videos are credible, about whether or not they've been selectively edited uh, in a way to grossly distort the position and the policies no, the, the, the whole, of Planned Parenthood. And if you consider the source... The whole video is put up uh, on, on the website of this anti-abortion group that, that put them out. I mean, you can... You don't have to watch just the edited version. You can watch the whole version. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm relying on news reports that I've seen of people who've taken a look at this and raised questions about the videos themselves. And there's no doubt that this is an organization that has targeted Planned Parenthood for some time. So they clearly have an ideological axe to grind. What we know to be true is that Planned Parenthood provides regular health care for millions of Americans across the country. Uh, and Planned Parenthood is not able to use federal funds to perform abortions. Uh, that is written into the rules. That is a rule that this administration has not just followed, but actually supported. So uh, it, it's clear that there are, uh, are some ideological games that are being played here. Uh, and what this administration, this president, has long fought for is protecting access for women uh, to health care. Uh, and that's exactly why we want to make sure that there is not an ideological effort to wholesale defund of Planned Parenthood that provides those important health care services to women all across the country. Now, somebody at the White House should maybe watch the videos in full. Josh, I do want to... But then Planned Parenthood circled the wagons and one sentence began appearing in every mainstream media outlet. The videos were, quote, highly and deceptively edited. This fabrication appeared to have been spoon-fed to the media and hungrily gobbled up by reporters who no longer bother to hide their support of abortion and the nation's number one abortion seller. One Planned Parenthood supporter who looms large in this case is Kamala Harris, who in 2015 was the Attorney General for California. Under the direction of Planned Parenthood, she sent 11 armed officers to Leiden's home to, to, Leiden's home to seize his computers and videos. This took place while she was actively campaigning for a U.S. Senate seat, which she later won. Her campaign website included a page that asked supporters to sign a petition to, quote, defend Planned Parenthood. Delayden and Merritt ended up with criminal and civil charges in a number of cases and have been found to have caused substantial harm to Planned Parenthood. They have been fined millions of dollars, and Delayden has been blocked from releasing 500 hours of video footage that has not yet been seen by the public. In May, DeLayden's attorneys at the Thomas More Society asked the Supreme Court to review the case. We've asked Peter Breen, executive vice president and head of litigation there, to join us to talk about this case. Welcome, Peter. Great to be with you guys. Thank you, Peter. Well, Peter, there were a lot of cases and charges involved in this enormous situation. Can you lay that all out for us? Well, and, and throughout this whole saga, you know, David has been put upon by uh, criminal authorities, uh, civil cases, all the rest. You know, we've gotten most of these thrown out, but now we're down to the big, uh, there are three remaining, really. Two huge civil cases, which have now been uh, put forward to the United States Supreme Court in petitions for certiorari, and then one criminal case still coming down the pipe. That's the one that nine felony counts in San Francisco Superior Court, risking many years in San Quentin prison, 
if, uh, if found guilty. And so I, I want to start with those Supreme Court petitions, which were those civil cases. There were two of them, one brought by the National Abortion Federation, trying to silence uh, David, get a gag order on him against releasing the videos of, I mean, damning videos of the National Abortion Federation, its 800-person abortion conferences. Those are still under wraps. Uh, and so we are challenging that. Uh, the First Amendment very clearly says that a court cannot issue a prior restraint on a person. So try to stop you from speaking before you speak. And so we think that case is clear. We are very hopeful the Supreme Court will take that petition for certiorari because the, the consequences, if you can't speak, uh, are, are devastating. And really that goes hand in hand. The second case in front of the Supreme Court, Planned Parenthood Federation of America, the big ugly, coming after David and his colleagues in federal court. Uh, that is the case where they charge David with RICO violations, fraud, a variety, 15 different counts worth of, uh, of violations. And then the, the jury issued a decision, tacked on massive attorney's fees, $16 million in total there, that can't be discharged in bankruptcy. So it would essentially be a permanent noose around the neck of David and his colleagues. And what they did in that, in that district court case, the Planned Parenthood case, they let a big company, that was the subject of undercover recording, get damages from an undercover journalist who did nothing, made issue, did no wrong, took only pictures, left only footsteps, just filmed at conferences where he was an invited participant, had lunch meetings that were willingly entered into. And so all of that together, if the Planned Parenthood judgment is allowed to stand, it could be the end of effective undercover journalism in this country, which, I mean, obviously for us who are people of life, we want to see the abortion industry's uh, misdeeds uncovered. And we know there are a lot of them because we've seen them uncovered on undercover videos over the years. But your issue could be animal rights. It could be mistreatment of, uh, you know, uh, this or that uh, group. It could be political corruption. No, no matter. The, the undercover journalists would be subject to ruinous you know, never, you know, never be able to get out from under multi-million dollar judgments if that's allowed to stand. So those are the two big cases in front of the Supreme Court right now. We're expecting to hear back from them in the next month or two. It's been distributed for their first conference once they come back from their summer break. And so that is going to be, and those are battle royals uh, and they're related petitions. So even if the Supreme Court only took one of them, they'd probably put the other one on hold because if we get what we have requested from them, we get this thing wiped off and to send it back to the district court with a clean slate and hopefully in a way that we can win this case and vindicate not just the, the, the terrible things that David uncovered, but also undercover journalism and the First Amendment generally, which is an interest for all Americans. So nothing happened to Planned Parenthood throughout all of this, right? That they were never there were never charges against them or anything like that. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, so out in the Ninth Circuit, out California, no. Uh, but you know, the state of California, there was a local prosecutor who actually did go after a fetal tissue company, shut them down, prosecuted them. Took a they took a consent judgment and fled the state, uh, disgorged their uh, their ill-gotten gains, and then fled the state. But what happened in other parts of the country was really even worse. So for them, uh, so in Arizona, we had a, a, a finding against a, a big time uh, abortion clinic there. 
but Texas, and you know, God bless Texas, uh, they debarred Met, uh, Planned Parenthood from Medicaid based on David's videos. So kicked him out of Medicaid. And, uh, and so that whole process really laid bare uh, all of the issues that David raised. And that, that decision was upheld by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in an en banc decision where the judges of that circuit said, you know, this video is real and these issues are serious. So David was vindicated by a court. It's just not the court that we're in front of right now, which was the Ninth Circuit. And now we're looking at the Supreme Court. We have identified the Supreme Court. We pointed their attention to the Fifth Circuit, which is a more conservative court. And so really uh, often is better aligned maybe with some of the justices on the Supreme Court. That's why we're, we're very hopeful, uh, just because of the, the, the incredible implications of allowing those judgments to stand, that the Supreme Court will step in and help us out to, to really clarify this area of law. I mean, that our, our district judge uh, went off, you know, allowing uh, damage items. So, so uh, let me give you this. We publish, so David publishes his videos about abortionists, just showing what they said. And he was charged, we were charged with the security costs of getting them private security because they said, well, you know, someone might, you know, do something to these folks. So because of true statements that were published. The other thing they said, well, you know, someone else may try to come and infiltrate some of our conferences. So you've got to pay for our new security system. Absolutely not. There's, really? These are not typical items of damages. And the First Amendment prohibits a court from allowing that to come in. And, and that's, been that's been established and reestablished in cases over the years. But they allowed an exception here for David Daleiden. And you know what? The Supreme Court's recognized the abortion distortion. This is exhibit A in the current environment of the abortion distortion on American law. Any other subject matter, we would have hopefully the court would have gone the other way. We think they would have. The problem is once they let this happen, if they if this is allowed to stand, well, then all on every other issue, they can point back to the binding authority of the Ninth Circuit and of you know, and our district court decision is persuasive authority. So very, very dangerous place. So Peter, just to clarify, what happens if the court does declare, decline to hear the case or rules against Daleiden and Merritt, then what happens? Well, we're facing $16 million in judgment to Planned Parenthood. Now, obviously David doesn't have $16 million, nor do his, his colleagues. Uh, and then another 6 million to the National Abortion Federation and even worse, You'll never get to see the videos that were taken of the National Abortion Federation conference. I, I have to say, you know, David did an initial series of roughly 10 or so videos really focused on Planned Parenthood. He could do another 10 just with the videos from the National Abortion Federation. I can't tell you what's on them because we're under a protective order, under a permanent injunction. But the American people deserve to see uh, what was said and done at that conference. Uh, it, it certainly, uh, again, I can't you know, characterize what it, what it said, but I, you, you would, uh, the public would benefit, the public deserves to see it in order to uh, ensure the proper regulation of the abortion industry. You know, the, the, the principle of the First Amendment isn't just for the speaker, it's for us, the people, so that we can govern ourselves. We need that information. And so that's why we don't silence speakers. Uh, we allow the public to receive the information, interpret it, use it for our own purposes. So those are the two civil cases uh, now pending. And that that's the, those are the real, the stakes are, are utter bankruptcy and ruin um, and, and then a permanent gag order on this extremely important public interest video. Well, 
Well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on, on all of these cases and praying for justice. And we want to thank you so much for joining us and explaining it all, because it, it does get a bit convoluted. <laughs> it, it does. And, and it's, it shows the other, well, it shows how effective David Talaitan was in really showing the world the misdeeds of Planned Parenthood, selling baby parts. I mean, a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, and so it shows, you know, that the response was such that uh, it met the effect, uh, which was one of the greatest, you know, David uh, inflicted, David and his colleagues inflicted one of the greatest uh, blows against Planned Parenthood, the abortion industry they've ever suffered. So that's why they continue to go after him. Uh, that's why they're continuing to go after him in California, uh, a criminal court. And again, we've got a trial date coming up there on November 3rd, nine felony counts uh, in the California uh, Superior Court. So please, yeah, we appreciate the prayers. David appreciates the prayers. If you want to keep getting updates on this, thomasmoresociety.org and Moore's with one O, thomasmoresociety.org uh, is our website. Thank you for everything you, you do for life and thanks for joining us. Thank, you, Thank you. If you have never seen the Center for Medical Progress videos, or if it's been a while since you have, we urge you to have a look. The easiest way to view them is on the Center for Medical Progress's YouTube page or at centerformedicalprogress.org. If you've been wondering what Cecile Richards has been up to since stepping away from her million-dollar job as CEO of Planned Parenthood, wonder no more. A group of abortion profiteers led by Richards and a former Planned Parenthood colleague this week launched an artificial intelligence chatbot named Charlie that can direct users to the nearest abortion business and tell them how to find abortion pills. Abortion continues to be a moneymaker for the 66-year-old Richards, who led the nation's number one abortion seller from 2006 to 2018. A pro-abortion organization on Tuesday filed legal actions in Tennessee, Idaho, and Oklahoma on behalf of women who say they were unable to have abortions during medical emergencies. The Center for Reproductive Rights lawsuits in state courts in Idaho and Tennessee and a federal court in Oklahoma mirror a suit the organization filed earlier this year in Texas. Last month, a Texas judge ruled that in cases of dangerous or complicated pregnancies, doctors must be allowed to use their good faith judgment to provide abortion, but that ruling is now on hold following a state appeal. Oral arguments will be heard in that case in November. Most of the 15 states where babies are protected from abortion have exceptions for medical emergencies, but some doctors have complained the exceptions are vague and not written in medical language. In a related story, this week, the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals heard arguments from attorneys representing two Phoenix physicians who claim a 2021 Arizona abortion law is unconstitutionally vague and will harm doctors. The law at issue makes it illegal for abortionists to perform abortions on the basis of sex or race or the presence of a genetic abnormality, like Down syndrome, in an unborn child. The whole case is kind of a moot point because the state attorney general has said she will not prosecute anyone under the law and the governor backs her up. Both are pro-abortion Democrats. Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville wants Congress to vote on a Pentagon abortion policy that allows active duty service members to take paid time off and be reimbursed travel expenses if they go out of state to have an abortion. Tuberville told Bloomberg TV that he received a briefing on the new abortion policy a year ago. We didn't need one, he said of the new policy. Joe Biden and the Democrats just decided to change it. Tuberville, a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee, has blocked confirmation hearings for top military personnel, leading to more than 300 open positions, but he is not backing down. We're not a communist country, Tuberville told Bloomberg. Everything that makes policy and law goes through Congress, and I told them, if you change it, I'm going to block, block your admirals and generals. At that time, there was one or two. Now we're up to 300. I think they're starting to believe that I meant what I said. Now, the White House is retaliating, with Biden announcing he would veto legislation that restricts access to abortion or military, for more military members. 
Students for Life of America this week honored Tuberville with the Champion of Life Award as part of National Pro-Life Generation Lobby Day. An attorney defending Wyoming against a lawsuit brought by a pro-abortion coalition over two state laws that protect babies from abortion said the coalition should not be able to bring paid expert witnesses to court. One law being challenged protects all babies from abortion and the other bans the sale of the abortion pill mifepristone. Jay Jurd, Special Assistant Attorney General for Wyoming, said Teton County District Court Judge Melissa Owens should evaluate the law's constitutionality, which does not require witnesses talking about religious freedom and how hard it would be for prosecutors to apply the laws. Abortion advocates in Maine defaced a Baptist church in Palermo with red paint and a sign that says, abortion is our human right. In his morning prayer on Sunday, Pastor Joshua Barnes prayed for forgiveness for the vandals. Life News has been keeping track of attacks on pro-life groups, churches, pregnancy centers, and pro-life people since the leak of the Dobbs decision in May 2022. The attack in Maine brings the total to 310. Very few arrests have been made. And finally, a Michigan mother was 20 weeks pregnant with her second child when she was diagnosed with a rare and aggressive brain cancer. Her doctors recommended abortion so she could be treated with radiation and chemotherapy, but she refused. On Fox and Friends this week, Tasha Khan said, my baby ultimately had nothing to do with the cancer, so killing her wasn't going to take the cancer away. She was my baby, and I knew that keeping her alive, God would keep me alive. Gracie was born in October 2022. Doctors now say the cancer has spread and that Tasha has less than a year to live. Prayer warriors, please storm heaven for Tasha. And that's abortion in the news. Hello, I'm Anthony Vassone, Resource Associate, and we at Priests for Life would like to take you on the road with us. This summer was a busy and exciting time for Priests for Life on the road. Father Dennis Wild, Pastoral Associate and Associate Chaplain for Priests for Life, concelebrated the 9 a.m. Mass at the Cathedral of St. Peter and St. Paul and gave the closing prayer at the Philadelphia March for Life on June 24th, which marked the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Also on June 24th, commemorating the overturning of Roe, pro-life leader Frank Pavone was present at the prayer and worship rally in Washington, D.C., where he addressed the crowd and delivered a beautiful prayer. On July 11th, Brian Kemper, Priest for Life's Director of Youth Outreach and Coordinator of Street Activism, participated in a training program for pro-life summer interns in Michigan. On July 25th, pro-life leader Frank Pavone prayed and spoke at the Mega Planned Parenthood in Washington, D.C., and later that day, he joined the Maryland Face the Truth Tour sponsored by Defend Life. On July 28th, Brian Kemper traveled to Survivors Camp in Los Angeles, California, and that same day, Father Dennis Wild was at the Maryland Face the Truth Tour. Brian Kemper attended the Save Our Constitution rally in Cincinnati, Ohio on August 6th. Later in the month on August 18th, Brian Kemper also, along with many other pro-life activists, took to the streets for pro-life street activism in Wichita, Kansas. After a super busy summer, Priest for Life continued the pace as September kicked off with Father David Begany, pastoral associate, representing Priest for Life, attending Defending Our Faith Catholic Conference in Tyler, Texas on September 1st and 2nd. Priest for Life had a display table of our educational materials at the event, and Bishop Strickland was the keynote speaker. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone spoke at a luncheon for Republican women of Southwest Florida on September 6th. He spoke about the fact that the division in this country is between common sense and insanity. 
And finally, Father Dennis Wild was the chaplain for a pilgrimage to EWTN Studios, Blessed Sacrament Shrine, Ave Maria Grotto, St. Bernard Abbey, and more from September 5th through September 10th. He can celebrate the live televised EWTN Mass on Thursday, September 7th. If you know of a pro-life event happening near you that you think we should know about, or if you have attended a pro-life event and you would like to share your photos with us, please email us at mail at priestsforlife.org. Your photos may be featured on an upcoming episode of Pro-Life Primetime News. And that's all for this edition of Priests for Life on the Road. New Hampshire Secretary of State David Scanlon said Wednesday there is no legal basis for keeping former President Donald Trump off the ballot in the first in the nation primary. There is no mention in New Hampshire state statute that a candidate in a new presidential primary can be disqualified using the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution referencing insurrection or rebellion. Scanlon, a Republican, said during a news conference Wednesday morning, Similarly, there is nothing in the 14th Amendment that suggests that exercising the provisions of that amendment should take place during the delegate selection process held by the different states. National and state Democrats have been unable to reach an agreement on when New Hampshire will hold its 2024 primary after Biden announced earlier this year that South Carolina would host the first primary of the presidential season. Several columnists have an idea on how to make President Joe Biden more electable in 2024. Drop Vice President Kamala Harris and pick a new running mate. Yes, voters think Biden may be too old to serve another four years, according to recent polls, but three columnists believe that a stronger running mate will gain traction in the country or even in the party. In a piece using Biden not to run again, Washington Post columnist David Ignatius suggested as a backup plan that Biden could replace Harris with Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass or Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. Ignatius says voters are sensibly focusing on Harris because of Biden's age, while noting that Harris is less popular than Biden with a 39.5% approval rating, according to the polling website 538. Biden could encourage a more open vice presidential selection process that could produce a stronger running mate, Ignatius writes. Biden himself is committed to Harris as his running mate for the 2024 session. He said last year, she's going to be my running mate, number one and number two. I did put her in charge. I think she's doing a good job. However, dumping Harris could come with significant backlash among black voters, a category of voters Biden needs in 2024 that served him a major victory in 2020. Harris's role as vice president marked an important achievement being the first woman to ever hold her office and the first person of black or South Asian descent to do so. As they try to pad their state Supreme Court majority in a presidential battleground, Democrats in Pennsylvania now hope to harness the same voter enthusiasm for protecting abortion rights that has already helped their side to a string of high-profile election victories. Democrats and their allies are bringing up talk of abortion rights at their rallies and in their ads and are casting a contest for a Pennsylvania high court seat as an existential response to the U.S. Supreme Court's conservative majority. The Republicans made it an issue when they chose to strip away a woman's right to choose, when they went to court to do that, when they continue to introduce legislation in Pennsylvania to restrict safe legal abortions, said Pennsylvania's Democratic Party chair, Sharif Street. 
Others are pragmatic about the difficulties in motivating supporters in an odd year election more than a year later when most voters know little or nothing about the race. I don't think there's any problem motivating our base, said Jamie Pepperato of the liberal group Turn PA Blue. But the question is, is our base big enough to beat their base? The race between Democrat Dan McCaffrey and Republican Carolyn Carluccio in the November 7th election will fill an open seat on the seven-seat court and won't change the balance of power. Democrats currently, currently hold a four to two advantage on the court. But Democrats nonetheless want protection ahead of 2025 should voters reject any or all of the three Democratic justices who must run that year to serve another 10-year term. The 2012 Republican nominee for president, who made a historic break with his party when he voted to remove former President Donald Trump from office, announced on Wednesday that he would not seek re-election in 2024, saying he wanted to make way for a new generation of leaders. He strongly suggested that former President Donald Trump, 77, and President Biden, 80, should follow his lead and bow out to pave the way for younger candidates, arguing that neither was effectively leading his party to confront the critical challenges the nation faces. At the end of another term, I'd be in my mid-80s. Frankly, it's time for a new generation of leaders, Mr. Romney, 76, said in a video statement. They're the ones that need to make the decisions that will shape the world they will be living in. The announcement was in some ways the culmination of a long divergence between Mr. Romney, a genteel and wealthy former governor and traditional conservative, and the Republican Party, which has veered sharply to the right and embraced a coarser brand of partisanship in recent years. In the video, Mr. Romney said that neither Biden nor Trump, the current frontrunner in the Republican nomination, was addressing the nation's most critical challenges, including climate change, authoritarian threats from Russia and China, and mounting debt. The next generation of leaders must take America to the next state, stage of global leadership, he added. The statement came amid renewed scrutiny of the age of Biden and other prominent elect officials, including Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky 81, the longtime Republican leader whose recent health issues have raised questions about whether he is fit to continue in his post. And that's political news in a nutshell. Over the years, Priest for Life National Director Frank Pavone has received much recognition and many awards for his unending dedication to saving the unborn. But last week was very special. He won two awards. The first was the International Pro-Life Champion for Making Life a Priority Award, and it was presented to him by the Citizens for a New Louisiana at a special dinner in Lafayette with area pro-life leaders and legislators. The second award was presented to him in San Antonio at the 30th anniversary gala for the Justice Foundation. As Leslie mentioned in the opening, the award was a beautiful sword. As soon as he saw it, the veteran traveler knew it would give him trouble at the airport. The Justice Foundation said they would be happy to ship it to Florida. Please watch as Frank Pavone receives the Defender of Life Award. So Father Pavone is the director of Priest for Life. He's the president of the National Pro-Life Religious Council. He's pastoral director of Rachel's Vineyard. He was listed recently in a book called 50 of the Greatest Pro-Life Leaders of the Last 50 Years. He's a connector and facilitator of Catholics and Protestants, and he was a very early endorser of the Moral Outcry Petition and helped us get 70 national pro-life leaders to endorse these reasons and this messaging to change the mind of the court and now to change the mind of America. So please, if you'll come up, 
Frank Pavone, I'm going to give you the Defender of Life Award from the Justice Foundation. Now that's a surprise. He's worried about security, but I said, in Texas, you can take these in the airplane. <laughs> now, we'll ship that to him, oh, and uh, thank you. So tell us a little bit about what's going on there. Oh, what a nice surprise. Well, listen, thank you, brothers and sisters, for being here. Alan and I are colleagues in this movement, in the national leadership. We are friends. We are prayer partners. We go back decades uh, in this great work as I'm sure many of you in this room do as well. And Alan, you're such a refreshing voice in this movement. Uh, your legal expertise has helped bring us to this day uh, when Roe v. Wade, you know, it wasn't reversed in a nuanced or indirect way, you know, as some decisions of the Supreme Court are. It was obliterated from the judicial landscape of America. Thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priest for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. Remember, National Pro-Life T-Shirt Day is coming up on October 3rd. Anthony, Teresa, and I are wearing one of our most popular shirts, Pray to End Abortion. As you can see on our friend behind us, you can also order the matching hoodie and beanie. You can order these items and many others at ProLifeProducts.org. Be sure to order soon to have it in time for October 3rd. If you like our show, please support us by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priests for Life, which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating God's people to end abortion. For all your pro-life news updates during the week, please follow us on Twitter at Pro-Life News Show. And before we end, I would like to wish my dear friend and co-anchor a very happy birthday on Monday. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager. And I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. Remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.